The NFL draft may be over, but the Ringer NFL show isn't going anywhere. On Mondays, join Kevin and Nora as they look ahead to the 2021 season. And on Wednesdays, check out Flying Coach Season 2 with NFL Network's Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay. The two longtime friends are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world to discuss the latest NFL news, tell stories from their careers, and break down the game from their unique perspectives. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Hello and welcome. This is the Ringer NBA show. I don't know what the title is. This pi- this podcast doesn't have a name, uh, but I am Justin Verrier and joining me for this Sunday night breakdown of game three of the NBA finals. It is the man of the hour, J. Kyle Mann. What's up? The J. Kyle Mann of the hour. A podcast has no name, as you said a few minutes ago, Justin Verrier, and that is where we are going to operate in the shadows like a, uh, <laughs> like a stealthy assassin. Skillful, skillful, and cunning. Uh, yes, yes. Incredible game tonight, though, man. Yes, you know who else was cunning and like an assassin? One Giannis and Tedakumpo, my friend. He sees the moment tonight. Uh, I mean, Giannis has been—he's—he's he's been like the the embodiment of the Undertaker meme. You know, the popping up from the coffin, <laughs> right? Um, the way his knee bent. Uh, in in that game when he went down with Clint, Clint Capella uh, to now, miraculous, man. I mean, I can't believe he's moving. I mean, we were kind of b- debating about, well, he looks a little laterally hampered. He doesn't look right. Um, he's looked fantastic in these last couple games. Yeah, this this uh, postseason was really shaping up to be a referendum on Giannis's career or maybe even just his decision to re-up with the Bucks over the offseason. Uh, it didn't seem like things were going well, especially in those Eastern Conference Finals. But here we are. Like He has put himself back in the LeBron-level, Shaq-level dominance in the NBA Finals. So he had 41 points tonight, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. He was 13 from 17 from the free throw line. Uh, so he obviously had back-to-back 40-point games. That's the first time since LeBron in 2016. And the second player all-time 
to have back-to-back 40-10 games in the finals, Shaq being the other one. So clearly he is just on another level. In terms of physical dominance, yeah. I mean, he's on a short list of guys, I would say, in the history of league, the league who have like just this physicality-driven dominance. But I think a key thing that we should mention is, you know, even though that they, they were pretty insistent about um, getting their points in the paint tonight, I mean, tonight, uh, let's see, the points in the paint numbers were 54, uh, which is the same as last game. Actually, that might be a little higher because I checked that with like a minute to go. But um, <laughs> really – Really sticking with that approach. I mean, second chance points tonight. The, the differential was 20 for Milwaukee, two for Phoenix. Huge, huge differential there. Um, got to the line and converted. Um, a big thing, though, too, I think, is that like Giannis was very patient about drawing two and getting off the ball, um, which he has – that's been a big question for him in his development throughout his career, I think. Um, and mm-hmm. is crucial for, for a team like Milwaukee um, just to put guys in a position to make simple mistakes – or not mistakes, <laughs> it can be mistakes, but simple decisions <laughs> and, and and not worry so much about, you know, pounding the ball and, and things like that. Uh, but he was he was unstoppable tonight. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that Drew Holiday had perhaps his best game of these finals. Well, not perhaps. It was actually a good game, which makes it uh, his best game of the finals. Chris Middleton came to life a little bit there in the first half, didn't have as good of a second half. But the big thing was, like, this became a center versus center off and DeAndre Ayton got into foul trouble and all of a sudden Giannis just took advantage of the Suns zone that they had to fall back into because unfortunately a guy Frank Kamitsky just like couldn't stay on the court and like to the credit of the Bucks and, and Mike Budenholzer who's taken a lot of knocks here in this postseason I mean, he just fed the beast and that's really all you had to do. There really wasn't much you could do against Giannis just catching it uh, with deep position and you're turning and it's only Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson in your way. Uh, I want to say something really quick. Somebody said, yeah, Aaron FC said Giannis over prime Shaq. Aaron, I don't know how old you are. Maybe <laughs> get on YouTube. No offense. Yeah. I'm not going to go with you on that one. Anyway, uh, no offense. But yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there was some chess going on in this game. I think what we've seen is that, um, Aiton, Aiton is critically, critically important. You know, I, I think that he is basically a line of defense, um, and past that, it is just hollow. You know, like the Suns are very vulnerable. We saw them flirt with with that di- at different times throughout this, throughout this these playoffs. And um, I mean, it's been it's been fun to watch Aiton blossom defensively, but I I think it's 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 been on both ends because whenever you take that hard roller away from them on offense. Um, I think that it affects it affects the rest of their perimeter players. Now, you know, I think that uh, the Bucks got lucky that they had, um, you know, Jay Crowder had a pretty great shooting night and they came away with a big win because, <laughs> you know, Crowder can be pretty volatile. But I think the lack of the hard roller there um, hurt the trickle-down effect of their offense. Um, and we've seen this kind of happen a couple times throughout the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean – Aiton bothers everything on the inside. He bothers lobs. He's positionally a lot more patient. He was scoring early on. Um, the way this game was officiated, there were a couple different times where I was like, is this going to swing back towards – because there were a couple calls. I think it was at the beginning of the third quarter. Did you notice this where it looked like it was getting a little touchy? Yeah, you were hearing Scott Foster's music, <laughs> like getting louder and louder as this game went on. The glass broke and he was – yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah, it, I was like, well, are they going to start? Because it, it really seemed like uh, Milwaukee needs to win the, it seems kind of like um, Cro-Magnon, to put it this way, but like Milwaukee needs to win the the brass knuckles, you know, the the effort mm-hmm. part of this series, or they have no chance. So they got to win the physical the physical and like second effort, multiple effort part of this. Um, and I thought that they did tonight, but we saw, I, I'd be curious to see what like the on-off um numbers were for Aiden tonight because it was it was glaring you know right didn't expect to be saying this but Dario Saric's injury could perhaps be maybe not swinging the NBA finals but they're definitely putting them on tilt a little bit but I have to say like I, I did think that Giannis's approach I don't know if it's different or at the very least they're leaning into the best of him like clearly not prime shack I agree with your point uh earlier but like he is approaching the game almost like prime shack to the point where he only had one three-point attempt until very late in this game I think he only ended up with two and if you look at his shot chart there's like a couple of missed jumpers kind of around the paint but every shot that he made tonight all 14 of them were within five feet they're all right at the basket. And that is what you need to do when you have a transformative giant man who could like leap over anybody or si- or Euro step around anybody. So uh, I do think that was pretty important. And I do wonder, and I'm curious what you think, like I wonder if the extra rest going into this game helped someone like Giannis who obviously has to go through way more treatment these days in order to get on the floor. Yeah, I mean, rest is obviously critically important at this. I mean, this has been a slog of like a year and a half for NBA players. And, you know, coming in with an, a knee injury specifically, I think all rest is critical, critically important. I think we saw like against the Clippers, their schedule with the lack of rest hurt them. I mean, uh, I think that that's true. But uh, and not to take anything away from the Suns there, but, you know, rest is always good. I don't think that that's breaking news. But I think that... um yeah, I mean, Giannis asked out early in this game. Um, I, I think that was maybe just to catch his breath. I, don't, I didn't hear anything. Did you hear he anything He almost specific? seemed like too hyper. Like he yeah. was just going too hard, and he really needed to uh, take a step back. But thankfully, it wasn't anything structurally with his knee. I think, I think that this game was a convergence. This is every NBA game, but, I mean, you want to avoid having a lot of bad things happen at once. I mean, Booker being out of rhythm and out of sorts tonight on the same night that Aiton, such a critically important piece. Those two things just can't happen at the same time. It's really just brutal for for Phoenix. Uh, you know, Chris Paul opened up the game, I thought, really brilliantly. But um, what, what did you make of Booker's struggles tonight? Was there anything that jumped out to you about uh, schematically that was going on, or was he just missing shots? I don't know. It feels like Booker has these games and like last series, I was willing to write them off to the mask. It just seemed like he was not feeling comfortable and he would have these games where he wasn't shooting well and thus he wouldn't be aggressive. And then he took off the mask and then you wondered, was he more hesitant to drive because he was worried about his nose? Maybe something like that was happening. But I also feel like just overall, the Bucks definitely had a bounce, had an aggression to them that they probably didn't have over the past few games. I wonder if it's home court advantage. Um, but they definitely seemed like all of the little plays that were going the Suns way, things went the Bucks way in this one. Did you see something more in depth schematically to, to knock Booker off? No, I mean, they had, they always kind of had, um, it, it was a situation where, you know, Tucker has been on Booker in this game and the last game. And I know people have kind of wrung their hands about that and fretted, but I mean, uh, I mean, 
Tucker is constantly into his body. I didn't really notice anything that was different from the past. Uh, somebody maybe could chime in and tell me if they noticed anything. But um, no, I, it just seemed like he just was out of rhythm. And, and you know, they talked to Monty at, I guess it was after the, you know, maybe halfway through the second quarter. And they were like, what are you going to say to Booker? And he was just like, nothing. So I, I, it may just be a case of... Um, you know, I, Booker's seen all kinds of looks in these playoffs. He's had physical defenders on him. He's he's seen ju- he's run the gamut in this in this in these playoffs. So, uh, can't really have a shooting night like that, though. You know, if if, if on a night, I guess it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see if next game, you know, Milwaukee has this this blueprint. And I thought last game it kind of it wore it. They tried it and it didn't necessarily break the right way. Well, tonight it did, and you've got to kind of think about the percentages of like how many times out of a hundred are they going to be able to use this game plan and 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 find effectiveness. This is a weird Milwaukee team in a lot of ways, like offensively, because they don't really have highly intuitive creator playmakers on their team, but they have a a few guys that are that are pretty like decently good you know like good yep. simple decision makers they don't have like high level high level like manipulators um but yeah i mean next game they definitely need more out of booker right yeah i mean i think that's why a game like this from Giannis is so important because it, you did see it unlocking some of those like, like auxiliary guys as a result of his dominance like drew just like stepped into threes with more confidence to the point where he took 10 in this game he was five for 10 from three and you just don't typically see him take that much like the story of his postseason has been that he just doesn't feel comfortable being aggressive uh, and you could always see him like wondering when he should pick and choose his spots he doesn't really feel like he's within the rhythm while well, he was taking those shots and I think uh, that has to be a big credit to what Giannis was doing. It did seem like, I, I was alluding to this earlier, it seemed like Middleton would get going in this game. He didn't really. Um, at one point, he had more points at the half than he did in all of game two. And I was like, oh, this is where Middleton starts to really assert himself. Uh, he has He took zero free throws the first two games. He ended up with three in this game. I'm not really sure what to make of him because he ended up with only 18 points, seven rebounds, six assists. You'd like to see more from him. And so that's where I'm a little bit concerned. But I guess if Giannis is going to have this going, like all he has to do is really bury down open threes. Yeah, Middleton is Middleton is interesting because it seems like he's they talked about this a little bit on the broadcast. Maybe it's just his temperament or his body language. He definitely seems he, he seems very selective. He's not one of those guys that like has to be going all the time, always hunting his offense. He's he seems like selective uh, of it in the kind of the flow of the game, but um they didn't really need him to go absolutely nuts tonight. Luck, and that's you know that's a good thing. I would I would argue that I mean Middleton a lot of times is their best creator. Um, they they had some pretty they had some pretty chaotic possessions throughout this game. I was noticing like where you know Middleton threw one rolling pass to Giannis that was like at his knees. Uh, <laughs> you remember that the one I'm talking yeah. about? And he somehow recovered it. Um, and then Giannis and Middleton tried to hook up. I think it was. Middleton to Giannis again, and Giannis wasn't even looking. Uh, Holiday had one that that was a screen and roll with Giannis that that was pretty chaotic. They they always just kind of seem like they're they're like on the edge of a knife. Like they just always seem like they're just almost going to be in peril, but they 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 get it done. It's it's the way they cobble offense together uh, is unusual. I can't really remember the last finals team like this that was. Uh, I mean, they're just bullying. Like in the second half of that game too, I think some of the adjust one of the main themes of this game is when they didn't 
you texted me when it happened that when Monty decided not to go back with Kaminsky and they went mm-hmm. with that uh, that small ball lineup. Um, what did you think? Uh, I was kind of noticing that they were they were trying to use Connaughton as sort of an entry point to to get to get some disruption, to get some imbalance going, to get them into rotation. Um, I thought Connaughton held up pretty well during that stretch. It, like Phoenix didn't like overwhelmingly win those minutes. It didn't seem like to me. Right, because your guy Cam Johnson just went on a heater. My God, just completely leaping over PJ Tucker to the point where uh, Bud had to break out his challenge just to save PJ Tucker from the abuse he's going to get. The, the the sneaker king was about to lose his title because he was just not going to be able to log onto his Instagram account ever again. Well, he got um, a good look at some sneakers on that play. I mean, they were right by his <laughs> face. Um, <laughs> I what do you think about like Cam Johnson's? His athleticism, he just has this like this athleticism that kind of jumps up, like it sneaks up on you. Like he's he's one of those guys that he'll make big plays. I was going to his, I was going over here to his uh, compound or his combine numbers to see. I th- my theory is he has small hands. That's I feel like theory. you're talking about him like he's Kyle Korver. He has sneaky <laughs> athleticism. No, he's no. the Eckstein of this team. <laughs> the Eckstein was that? I a, mean, is that I a do, baseball reference? Yeah, Wait, that's okay. who, that's the the consummate hustle guy. Okay, come on, you're in the South. They must talk about the old stick ball every now and then. I have family members that are big. He's Cardinals, right? Wasn't Eckstein Cardinals? He, he used to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's lost on me. Okay, I went and looked it up. Yes, small hands. <laughs> 8.5 by 8 inches. That's small. That's probably why, like, whenever whenever you see, uh, for his size, I mean, especially, but uh, whenever you see him get ahead of steam, he's one of those guys that, like, Hamadou Diallo is like this. Like, if they're, if they're, like, in traffic or something, they can't quite leverage their athleticism. Like, they can't quite get up and control the ball. But when Cam Johnson gets ahead of steam, he can do some incredible stuff. I mean, that scoop layup that he hit was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Good shooter. I think they kind of wasted... Uh, a couple good nights, you know, from from Crowder and Johnson on some level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was if you're you're looking at the positive for the Suns in that zone lineup, that was it, right? You got some more contribution from that Bridges, who had a completely off night. I believe hit a three during that stretch early on when they went to the zone. Um, I just don't know how much you could rely on that. And like, if if we were talking about big questions going forward for the Suns, like. All of a sudden, their margin for error seems almost as thin as the Bucks. So the Bucks have obviously had their injuries. Dante DiVincenzo wasn't out there. And it just seems like after their starting lineup, you're really just trying to not screw things up. You're getting into Thanasis ter- territory after Pat Connaughton. You're, you're throwing out Jeff Teague minutes, who all of a sudden played way too much even before this game was completely out of hand. Um, but the Suns, you're looking at like when Aiton isn't out on the court, like, what are you going to turn to? Like, I, that is very much a big question. And I do wonder if that exposed something going into this next game where, where uh, you, if you're Bud, you could look at that and like maybe you cram it down Eaton's throat, get him into foul trouble early, and now you're exposing that even more. I guess it, I guess it comes – I mean, I need to go back and watch each of his fouls. I mean, the one thing about Aiton is that he's been pretty good. He's, he's improved in these playoffs at not drawing fouls. And, and it's kind of a – a thing where I think that they can go at it and attack him, but I think that they should be careful not to go too hard at that because um, that's always risky, always dangerous to, to overdo it uh, and to get yourself out of any rhythm. Like the Bucks are a team that can't really afford 
to lose whatever <laughs> rhythm they they have uh, offensively. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they tried again. I just I still feel like you know Phoenix is th- they have this big weakness, but I still feel like they're the more offensively capable, dynamic team. Once the you know it was just like when you take away their hard roller, whenever whenever Booker's not playing well, you're just you're pulling out like two big pieces of the engine that are going to prevent it from from going anywhere. You know, Brooklyn still had a couple, you know, big time creators that they could go to. Well, and then, you know, Kyrie went down, but, um, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't have that luxury, but uh, I think that, um, uh, I was thinking about this Phoenix team too. It's, it, it's sort of like years from now, you know, I feel like everybody's been kind of eager to discount them, you know, as, as sort of like a, a team that doesn't add up to what we would think would be a title contender. Wouldn't, um, but, some of these young players, man, I feel like years from now we're going to be like um, – because Aiton was playing fantastic before he got into foul trouble. Um, I've just been re- endlessly impressed with him. And um, I don't know. If, if he starts to develop that face-up game too, like he hit a 15-footer facing up tonight, I was like, man, if he can start making that consistently, he's going to be uh, he's going to be an all-star. I mean, I think he wants to take that 15-footer when oh, yeah. they're giving it to him. <laughs> like, I almost think like his turnaround started when he stopped taking those as much. But you definitely saw, you know, the the Bucks giving him those shot opportunities way more. I don't know, man. I, I, just it's weird. Like I, I agree with you overall. I, I, I we were talking about this via text just before we dropped on. Like as the game was going around, we both feel pretty comfortable with the Suns. Like I think we feel pretty good about what they were able to do. It just seemed like they had a control over the game in that first quarter. The Bucks kind of threw everything at them, and they kind of withstood it. And they weren't down by that much, if at any, after the first quarter. And I've just been really impressed overall with how this young team has been able to handle adversity, see, like series after series after series. And this was another example of that. Things obviously turned in a different direction. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit more worried about Aiton after this game. Just because, like, if he's not out there, you see how things kind of just crater and while Chris Paul had things going to a certain extent with whatever they were willing to throw at them, um, like there was one point where they were trapping hard on him and he found Cam Johnson, right? When it was Kaminsky, he still managed to find Frank Kaminsky for easy buckets. But if Booker's not going to be there, if Bridges isn't going to be there, like who are you going to turn to there? I mean, Bridges is probably someone we should talk about here. Uh, is this just the off night or do you think like the Bucks found something there that they can expose? Um, I think he's running up against sort of a threshold in his own development that he once he crosses it, I think he's going to be it's going to make him an even better player. But I think that they they were putting him in position to um, I, I haven't seen like the the tracking on his on his touches tonight, but it seemed like he was getting it a lot uh, in situations that were not in rhythm. Like he's not really a natural like table setter at this point he's like a catch and shoot make one move and kind of score type person um i i thought they they defended him pretty well i mean overall um that's kind of that's kind of where he is as a player for me right now he can kind of get into the middle and make that mid-range pull up uh he's pretty good at like straight line drives um you know and transition he's good obviously but i always kind of got the feeling that if you really saw bridges after like three dribbles you know, changing directions, making a decision. Uh, you started to kind of see the seams a little bit. Like you started to kind of see where he needs to grow as as a wing creator. Um, and if he does that, I mean, he's going to be fantastic. But I, I think that Milwaukee defended him well in that sense, and that they didn't let him get into those 
those situations where he is productive. That's that's that was kind of my read on it. Right. Well, what do you think about Bud overall in this game? So obviously he's taken his hacks, most of them coming probably from this podcast network. Uh, but I I was watching and it did seem like he had the counters whenever the Suns would try things like when they went to that zone, he briefly went to a smaller front court lineup and all of a sudden Bobby Portis makes it three and then PJ Tucker made it three and just seemed like the ball was zipping around in the way uh, it probably hadn't been earlier. And then he went the opposite direction later on and he put his bigs out there in the floor and they kind of just kept punishing him down low. It just felt like he was at the controls making the right moves for the first time in God, I, I can't remember in how long. Uh, are you feeling better about what Bud's doing overall, or am I just overemphasizing? I think this was sort of a primary color situation, not to downplay it. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people sure. that, like, I mean, I'm not one of those people that thinks Bud, Bud is like a, a doofus or something, but I, he, this this is simple calculus here, though. I think, you know, you've got this transcendent downhill player who can get to the rim, who's quick, that can beat, you know, he's big enough to bother, like, small ball fours. He's quick enough to bother, you know, he's quick enough to go by a lot of players that guys his size typically aren't able to. Also, the way Crowder was playing him at different points during that stretch, those non eight minutes didn't really make a whole lot of sense. You don't want to, you want to dare Giannis to take an early shot. You don't want to, you don't want to let, get up on him and, and dare him to go by you because he can't, because he's so long. Um, you know, that little cushion is where you can anticipate. And Crowder usually does that. That's what kind of, what I didn't really understand. I, I posted a clip the other night about like of uh, I just pulled a bunch of clips of Crowder jumping in front of Giannis like he's done it for like the last five years. But yeah, I think that um, I think that Bud made some simple decisions that just work tonight. And I I don't there I mean there's sometimes where basketball isn't our our buddy Jonathan Shark says this to me all the time. Basketball can be really simple. And I think tonight, uh, this is simple. You have a, you have a trans you have a transcendent downhill player, and you also have Brook Lopez too. I mean, Brook Lopez's nimbleness for his size, he's such a good player. I've just found myself in these playoffs appreciating his uh, his skill level and his agility for how freaking big he is. He's a brachiosaurus, man. Like he is just gigantic. <laughs> the way he he beat Aiton off the bounce one time, and it was so graceful. Like he finished with touch. Um, yeah, I mean this. This is a simple like brute force algorithm. Get around the rim, finish, use your size, and the shooting will follow. Brooke has one play a game where he'll like he'll be on the three point arc and he'll try to be almost like an elephant trying to hide behind a couch where he'll like scooch down low so he managed to have like a lower center of gravity for his dribble and yet somehow he manages to weave around traffic and get to the paint and finish nimbly because he has such amazing touch at the rim like i almost want to like show all of the other bucks bigs brooks touch especially Giannis sometimes where it's just like this guy just makes things happen he's almost like Kyrie in like a mecha suit you know like <laughs> just the way he's able to finish sometimes um but I mean he played 21 minutes tonight I, I thought that was another feather in bucks cap where like he used him effectively he, he didn't overuse him he put him in lineups where I think it made sense to play him Definitely, definitely, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the big, one of the big things about him, like you said, I, I agree, is the touch. Um, it's, yeah, it's twenty-one minutes for for him tonight. I mean, he didn't really. He took four threes. I didn't feel like he was like settling for them, getting to the basket. But you know, part of that is like trying to get Aiton in foul trouble. I think is probably factoring into that a little bit. Plus six in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 
two rebounds, really. Yeah, N- not really on the on the glass as much. What did you think about um, the uh, the intense Bobby Portis, uh, Arkansas finest? <laughs> um, I thought that he kind of got away with. I guess it was against Tory Craig. It definitely looked like he gave a little extracurricular some bonus points on that play where they were tangled up. Did you see that? Did I misread that? What happened with that play? You know the play I'm talking about? I don't about? know what. No, I don't. Um, well, they got tangled up on uh, Craig was denying him and they got tangled up. You remember that play? I think so. I, I just think this is what Bobby Portis does now, <laughs> uh, which is weird to say now two series into this. It just seems like he's going to have a game where he just like puts his stamp on it. I mean, all things considered, he's not the worst stretch big option, especially on that Bucks bench is where you're just like you're reaching for anything possible. Like I'm still surprised that Portis shot so well from three during the regular season. It was something like 47 percent. And there are just games where you just give him an open look from three and he's going to like knock him down. And if he knocks down enough of them, he's going to stretch the court in ways where like it's going to manipulate the defense and get them in rotations in ways that you probably wouldn't expect for Bobby Portis. I don't know. I just I think he fits a nice little hole on this team, especially because they're just so depleted on the wing. Like he can almost give you enough of some of those things that this roster lacks uh, in order to just get by, you know? Um, if he's if he's like sort of um, what very discerning in his in his choices, you know, I, I, they talked about he, you know, Bobby's he's always been this sort of tertiary or beyond sort of late rotation player who looked like he kind of wanted to climb up and be more of a, a of a different type of a, in a different type of a role. Um, Bobby Portis perpetually looks like he j- just realized he ripped his pants. That's what I always say. Like <laughs> he always has that look on his face. Um, I, yeah. No, I mean, obviously in the playoffs, your looks change. You know, for him, he's he's not a guy that he you know four for eleven tonight. He's he's just he's an energy guy. You know, eleven points, eight rebounds. He's he's giving them. You know, Giannis isn't always demonstrative. You know, Middleton's pretty quiet. Drew's not the most animated. Um, you covered Drew for a while in New Orleans, right? How would you describe his demeanor as a player? Uh, laid back. I always used to say he had the uh, quick wit of a blog boy, <laughs> Drew. Like, he's he's an adult in the room, very much so. And I don't think he's ever going to get too high. He's not going to get too low. He's just, he's, he's just who he is. Yeah, and it's and then you know Brooke Lopez famously calm. It's just I think Portis is good for them. I think Portis comes in and and is just that that little uncon. I think it's good on every good team to have sort of this uncontrollable fire that could burn the house mm-hmm. down, but it also could burn their house down. You know, I think it's sure. just good to have a guy like that. Yeah, he's a live body, and I think unfortunately for this Bucks team, there's a lot of rigor mortis setting in. In addition to like just straight up demeanor, there's just a lot of guys on their last leg. Like the fact that they've gotten so much out of Brook Lopez at this point has just been a godsend. Like they brought him back to basketball life. And like PJ Tucker, another guy we were talking about before, the first two games, he was just so bad. It's just like the fact that Portis can get after it and he he could just throw himself around. He's basically doing low rent PJ Tucker things, but with early era PJ Tucker athleticism. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would say. Um, another another thing I was going to say in this game and throughout this series, um, I'm just I'm done with the off ball charges. I, I'm just I can't mm. do it anymore, man. I can't. I can't it's it's going to get somebody hurt. In general, I think the charge is out of control. I I feel I feel like if they just stop calling it. Um, it might just go away entirely. 
Um, I just wanted to tack that on as, as a micro gripe for me uh, mm. when I'm watching these. I mean, whether it be Chris Paul, whether it be Giannis, I mean, um, it's just driving me nuts. Yeah, I was just going to say, like a, a series with Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, PJ Tucker, like you're probably not getting away from that anytime soon. <laughs> no, it is here to stay, sadly, I believe. It, yeah, no, that that's definitely the worst of all of them, though. You know how some folks are quick to doubt the rookies or even understate their excellence during playoff season? Make no mistake, this is their time to shine and show out with career-defining moments on that court. Kyle, who are some rookies that showed out in this year's NBA postseason? You know, I think that this year we saw some guys that were maybe off the radar, off uh, off the minds of sort of the popular basketball conversation that really made an impression. I thought, you know, one big one was Onyeka Okongwu for the Atlanta Hawks. I think that he was someone who came along slowly through the season, um, was really respected in the draft and had some tools that people were excited about. And I think that he showed some promise for a young team that is going to need to you know, mature and sort of level up together. You got to feel good if you're Atlanta when you're looking at a guy like a Kong Wu who is just this asset sort of to the side of their offensive identity who could turn into, you know, a defensive anchor, which was always sort of the expectation for him with great hands. He's a good finisher, really intelligent player. Um, and he's he's a good bargain right now for, for, I think, you know, he was giving you quality playoff minutes at that age and at that experience level. He looked calm. Uh, calm like a bomb, calm like a cucumber. I thought he was really impressive in these playoffs. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah, no, the Hawks definitely have some options there with all their good young players. And that's a wrap. Just like these rookies won on the court, you could win with your insurance by getting the personalized service of a local agent, all for a surprisingly great rate with State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's look big picture here now. So Bucks get one. They're still down two to one. How are you feeling about them overall? Do you feel like they catapulted themselves back into this series? Or do you think this is ultimately still a Sun series that the Bucks just happened to steal a game or two? We've gone back and forth with both of these teams where it's just sort of been a um, an ebb and flow of like, do you believe, you know, we've been hesitant to believe in both of them. I mean, I, I had moments in the first round where I was like, okay, Milwaukee has like, they've addressed their issues in the offseason. I think maybe the plus plus kind of performance from Drew gave me a little a little more confidence than uh, I mean, Drew's just been extremely up and down in these playoffs. He's been super, super frustrating, but then we've gotten super, super performances from Giannis, you know, in this series, but you know, Drew is better in this overall. I mean, I, they're not a team that like gives me, they're just not like a momentum rhythm team where you just come away skipping. Even tonight, I'm like, you know, they did bully them, but it was contingent on a lot of things going right. Um, If those things don't fall the exact way next time. Um, I mean, I, I, it's gonna have to. It's gonna have to play out a very specific way. Sort of that, you know, one in the fourteen million. Not, it's not fourteen million. Not like the Doctor Strange thing. But I feel good about them. But a lot of things are gonna have to go their way because they're really asking a lot out of Giannis. Um, they're getting a lot of. Um, of course, there's also the Middleton thing where you know he could surge. He could have a better. He could. Uh, he could have a better you know, an uptick in his production mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm still in the middle on them, honestly. I, I don't feel overly confident, but I also have kind of felt I really gave them a lot of crap against the Nets. Um, they had some injury things break their way in that series. I still am leaning Suns, honestly, um, just for, for the, all those factors that went their way. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to Giannis because he's putting on just an all-timer, but it does have like it has the feel of a LeBron James all-time performance in a loss in a final series. Like they need him to be this good in order for them to have a chance and that's always scary territory. I mean, maybe he ends up just putting up 40 a game from here on out. I wouldn't put it past him at this point, uh, especially if the the rest in between games are going to like help him. I, I'm just clearly speculating, but like he's going to have two more games off or two more days off before this next game. Uh, they could really pace him. They didn't have to play him a ton of minutes in this one. They only, they got him out at 38, which for Bud is, is like, is something. Um, but I don't know, man, I I'm just, I'm worried about those ancillary guys. Like you said, I don't know if Drew's going to be able to give you more than what he gave you in this game, 21 and nine with good three point shooting. That's about as good as you're going to get for him with just like harassing lockdown defense, uh, on the other end. Middleton's the one for me where I just don't get like, you need a Middleton in order to be able to, to play off of Giannis. And I would want, I would expect the Suns in this next game to double down on Giannis to force them to, uh, to the, the bucks to beat them with somebody else. And Middleton is going to be the guy to do that. I mean, we've kind of been talking about this all season. I mean, Zach Cram wrote this really, really early, early on in the, uh, the regular season where it's just like, 
Middleton has to be the closer for this team. And oh, yeah. I think that's true now. And I also think that, that he needs to just be the wing scorer they need before the, you get into crunch time. Yeah, I mean, he is perceivably their their closer. It's it's funny you were talking about um, – and I mean, we'll talking about Middleton first here. I mean, his offensive upswings can go all the way up in near forty points. I mean, we we know that he can go, that he can go bonkers. And it may be a, it may be a kind of a basketball is. We talked about this a lot with with like the top players thing. This is again, this is a sequential game that you know. There's there's the the sequences within the game. There's the sequences within the 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 series within the season. And he, this could be a sort of a a bigger macro thing where you know Milwaukee is using this game plan and the schematic response from the Suns could end up creating some openings you know depending on how they def- they try to defend some of this I, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do about like Giannis but I think mm-hmm. if they do try to like adjust you know avoid going to the zone things like that 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 could um open up some things for Middleton to start to really attack in in his way um but yeah, you you were talking about like it's funny how we like we ding coaches for not for playing their players too much, and we also ding them for not playing them enough. It's just like uh, it just goes both ways. It seems like it's 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 a hard life for an NBA coach. You, you really just can't win on some level. Sure. I mean, I'm sure they go back to their mansion and sip their wine coolers and and, and just, scroll just Twitter, doom scroll. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, just replying to Kevin Durant's replies with their own anonymous bots. Um, but if you're the Suns, I think you do have a big question on your hands. So if Aiton, well, Aiton has to sit at some point, unless you you decide to go full nets here and just play him 48 minutes, uh, you're going to have to fill those minutes somehow. Do you think that the zone small ball approach that they put out there tonight is the answer to those Aitonless minutes or do you think like they have to go somewhere else? Do they have to try, I don't know, more Tory Craig? Do they have to unearth Jalen Smith from the depths of whatever hell he has been in throughout this entire postseason? You know what's sad? I, I liked the Jalen Smith. I was I liked him coming into the draft. He there just mm. must be I mean, he's a young player. it's he he must just really not be showing them anything to fill them with confidence in practice. But um, honestly, man, it's just it's slim pickings here. I I really don't know what else where else you could go in terms of like who you could try at the five. I mean, Kaminsky is just such a liability. He was you know minus. I don't get caught up in like single game plus minus, but minus minus twelve in this one. Um, you also didn't get a big you didn't get a big performance out of campaign. You know, campaign is sort of a guy who can stack on top of. Uh, Phoenix's, you know, flourishing offense, and then he comes at you as this extra thing, and you're just like, holy shit, we have to deal with this this little dude. He also has one of the most baffling like scoop shots. He shoots that lefty scoop shot on the right side of the rim, and it seems unblockable. It's it really mm-hmm. defies explanation. I don't know how he does that, um, but I, I no man, I, I don't I don't really know what they have in terms of like tra- the traditional thinking. Like wh- who's the biggest guy that we have that we could throw out there? I mean, like you have Crowder, who's like physically solid, but he's not long enough. You, you just you forfeit rim protection. Um, and the, you know they've thrown Abdul Nader out there a little bit, but he's you know it's just you you really are just down at the bottom of the barrel trying to like think about what you could do. Um, really, really critical that Aiton stays out of foul trouble. I don't know if. The, it, it's perilous, man. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to keep the car on the road with with uh, with three wheels if Aiton's if Aiton's going to end up in foul trouble again. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's why I'm a little bit worried about the Suns, though. Like, I, I agree with you. I think the Suns are the clear favorite in this series. I think the Bucks are going to have to play completely over their head in order to counterpunch what the Suns are capable to do on a good night offensively. But that margin for error, man, is getting thinner and thinner, and I'm just looking at the roster. I'm like, where is this going to come from? I guess the two possible sources of, of, of an adjustment or, or just like a counterpunch to what they've been doing is is that small ball lineup one they could just outshoot them maybe some of the shots that they miss fall and all of a sudden this is a different one and I guess it goes back to Booker like if Booker has a good night can you count on him to just take the pass and just like drive it into the center of the defense and all of a sudden this is a different game well, the thing is that like Milwaukee is defensively a little more competent in it's going to be harder for them, I think, to attack. Like I said, they were they thought they were attacking the weakest point, which was Connaughton, and they just didn't really have a ton of success. So if if they don't, if they're not able to win those small ball minutes in that sense, I, I think maybe you just stop worrying about attacking him. Um, and you just kind of get into just kind of run your normal offense and, and see if you can get into rotation, see if you can get some of your guys that are in like advantaged, you know, matchup situations once the ball gets humming. If, you know, if uh, Milwaukee tries to put those lineups out there that are going to be bigger, that are going to try to bully them on the other end so that they'll have some potential mismatches. But the thing is, like, Milwaukee defensively is pretty good. I mean, um, so it's going to be hard for them to attack them in that sense. Um, yeah, I, it it is a funny situation where I feel so good about about Phoenix offensively at full strength. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it, it's a fascinating wrinkle. I think. I mean, at this point, what do you? How far do you think this goes? How many games? Because uh, we, you and I, may not get another chance to talk about it, depending on how it goes. <laughs> I was saying, gentlemen, sweep before this game. Like after game two, I was like, oh. Okay, we know what's going to happen here. And even at like after the first quarter, I was saying the same thing. Like the Suns just have a control over the game. Chris Paul, when he has Aiton running down that rim, man, uh, running down that lane to the rim, it's just it seems unstoppable. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, my my confidence has been shaken a little bit with this game. I could see it going six or seven at this point for the for those reasons that we just talked about. <sighs> I don't feel good about it anymore. What do you think? How many games? So you were just really traumatized by what happened tonight. You you said six originally. I said Suns and six. That was my original I said, pick. I said five. Okay. But I can right. see it going six and seven now. You did say that, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I could see it. I, I could see it. I could see it going seven. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll have a little backbone. I'll say the Suns and six. It just seems hard for all those things to go wrong at once. Even, even if book, even if Aiton does go out with foul trouble, you know, you just get a, you get a garbage game from Booker like that. I mean, and he's bounced back. I mean, he, he had a, a rough game in the Clippers series, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, the whole, there was the whole broken nose thing that happened. Um, I, I expect that he'll bounce back. He's, he's a tough guy. Um, him sitting all those minutes, though, was interesting, though. Don't you think? Was that sort of a mental yeah. thing? Could have been. I mean, you probably didn't need to put him through any more, anything more. Like, I do wonder maybe, like, if the nose is a concern and you don't want to put him out there. So, like, even if he gets hit and it doesn't, like, re-break his nose, he's worried about that even more. I do wonder if, like, after this finals is over, we're going to get that story about like, oh, it's actually a much bigger issue. Like he couldn't breathe on the court, yada, yada, because he hasn't seemed right. He hasn't, he's had a game or two, but he hasn't seemed consistently right since that happened. 
He did take another shot. Yeah, like um, it could He's be a few. Yeah, yeah. That's God. That's brutal. I can't imagine. I, I I've been punched in the nose. I've never had a broken <laughs> nose. I've taken a couple orbital hits that really hurt. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any of those bone face bone hits. Uh, they suck. They're rough to play with. Yeah. And especially without the mask, he's vulnerable out there. Yeah. I got punched in the face in sixth grade because I was like, I told some kid to pick up a piece of paper and it was the wrong kid to tell that to. He punched <laughs> you? It was in the middle of class in sixth grade. He just popped me in the nose and my nose started bleeding. And you know what the shitty part was? I also got in school suspension and I didn't throw a punch. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Did you tell him in sort of like a bossy <laughs> dickish way? Were you like... Probably. Okay. Like, I think he knocked my piece of paper over, if I'm remembering correctly, and I told him to pick it up. Like, it was his fault and i decided to stand up to him i see unfortunately this is not the type of guy you you say that to and he just bop yeah i called a kid fat one time and he hit me in the i've only been punched in the face a few times yeah in the locker room i told this (laughs) dude he was fat the other time i got hit in the face i got hit in the face twice in one game one time because i had like a bit i had like 17 in the first half of a game and then they hit Mm. me in the eye twice I would do this. I have pictures of it. I'll post them. But I had the I had the blood coming down, but I didn't score. They got they got to me. Wasn't a super physical tough player, honestly. I didn't have what it took. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's why. Just telling somebody to pick something up, you get punched in the face. That kid sounds pretty badass, to be honest. Well, I mean, like a bad person. But uh, I'm sorry that happened to you, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm still recovering from it. At least emotionally. Clearly, clearly, you had that um, ready to get to go there. <laughs> Uh, do you want to do a quick uh, finals MVP watch? Uh, so we are three games in now. I think everyone was expecting Chris Paul to just run away with this thing. Although I will say earlier on in this game, you started to see the tweets about, well, what about Aiton? Like Aiton is the one doing all this damage. Paul is the one setting up. Sure. But like all the numbers, all the triple, all the double doubles, like he's had X many double doubles and that hasn't happened since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those things were floating around. How much do we care about double doubles anymore though, man? I mean, there's like the inflation of counting stats. It's just like double doubles and scoring. It's going to go up, 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 up. I don't know. I just don't get his, it, it is cool. It is cool. He's done a lot. I just don't get like, do you get, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And this was a big topic of discussion around Russell Westbrook and triple doubles, right? My thing is like, we say it for a reason. It's just ease of use. It's just like, it's just a random way to mark something so we could say like, oh, if you hit this mark, it, it usually means pretty good. It's like, it's an arbitrary endpoint. Yes, I get that. And for all the quants are like, well, you know, 40 and eight is just as good. I totally agree with you. It's just, it's just easier. Don't lump <laughs> no. me with the quants. I'm definitely not. And and uh, anyway, but <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. That's true. I just hear people just pound the table about that one all the time. I just wanted to throw that in there. But I mean, in terms of the, um, are we in a situation where you know losing? Even if even if the Bucks lose, is that where you were going to say next? It's kind of. Yeah. I mean, are we in a situation where is Giannis going to? I mean, this is a pretty remarkable. Even if they lose, this is a pretty remarkable. Giannis had a rough year in terms of sort of credibility. Um, you know, he we kind of got into like eye-rolling territory where it was just like, all right, buddy, piss off with your great performances and your second-round exits. But, I mean, it's just interesting how fickle all of this stuff is. I mean, he's he's in the finals, and he's had this opportunity to perform big, and he has. I, th- I think it's a big notch on his sort of legacy 
I'm not in love with like the whole narrative thing, but it, it, it is, it is, it's a big notch mm-hmm. for him. Um, but I mean, do you think that there's, let's say they lose and he continues to cruise? Um, tell us, tell us in the chat if you think that if, you know, if, if this continues, if you think Yana should win, if, if, even if they do lose, but, um, like this video, follow us on YouTube, yeah, smash the no. like button. No, I mean, <laughs> I think it's possible. Uh, no one else is having like an extraordinary output enough to sort of dissuade me from thinking that. Yeah, sure. I don't think it will happen. It's never happened and it's never going to happen because there's at the very least going to be one player who has a big game in the deciding game and all of a sudden we'll give it to him. It's very much the Iguodala thing where it's just like, well, we got to give it to someone on the winning team and we'll just pick the person that seems like it fits the best fits the mold. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with it, though, because I'm sure you can go back to the finals that LeBron has been in and say that he was probably deserving of it, even in a losing effort. Was 15 the the year that Iggy got it? I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, that was one of the best finals performances. That was one of the best performances ever, period, two-way by LeBron. Right. I mean, and he didn't get it that year. So, I mean, that's, if that's the precedent, I mean, maybe they'll try to break break the, uh, you know, there's a first time for everything kind of thing. But, um I don't know. He maybe would have to have like one more outrageous game to even give some credibility to that. But well, I do think the one thing that Giannis has in his favor that LeBron didn't is that there's enough shaming on social media and enough <laughs> uh, just mob mentality that I'm sure that let's say the Suns win the next game and then they cruise in the next game, but Giannis keeps putting up 40 and 10. Right? There's going to be enough voices in the room. In this case, the room being Twitter, saying like, "Oh." this should be a thing. Why are we following history? Yada, yada, yada. And I do wonder if that counter narrative comes in strong enough that all of a sudden Giannis has a better chance than LeBron ever did. Just by sheer shame. That's what you're going to say. I mean, (laughs) this is the power of shame. My friend shame motivates me to do a lot of things. So, you know, maybe (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Let's see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on Kyle's shame. Uh, (laughs) I'll keep you updated. Thanks. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thank you to Carlos on production. Uh, we will be back. Well, we'll see if we'll be back. I'll be back on group chat uh, after the next game, which I believe is Wednesday night. Uh, Kyle might be back if there is, what, a game seven? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, possibly. But who? But he'll be around regardless. Yeah, um, I'll be on Twitter. You could, <laughs> he's, he'll definitely be on YouTube. You could smash his like button anytime you'd like. Um, Sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, all right, we'll see you next time. Later. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile.
ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 